Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Utah at Notre Dame. Marco, what should batters be looking at? What betters got to be aware of is this is a major league flat spot for Utah. Last week's loss against TCU, we talk about, you know, goals and dreams. I mean, they got crushed last week. Not only did your dream so get not, crushed. So not the team got crushed, the dreams got crushed. Both got crushed. <laughs> the team got crushed and the dreams. I mean, TCU. All right, so what did you define as Utah's dream? Well, is this, you know, coming in, your, your dream's a national championship. This team had visions of it, of running the table, because they had a soft schedule. They had really two tests, you know, to get through, and the big test was last Saturday, and they flunked. Well, wait a minute, though. Let's, and I, I, I don't disagree with you, but you don't think their dream was a national title, right? To start I mean, because, you know, I, back in the 80s, I had, you know, dreams of, let's say, Chris... Uh, what was her name? Christine Brankley? Yeah, mine was Farrah Fawcett. Right. But so, well, I'm a little they, older. I'm sure yours wasn't tw- Twiggy back in the in the no, 60s? Yeah, no. Twiggy. No. All right. But here's here's the question, though. Utah's dream wasn't the national title. It, it wasn't the national title so to start to see. But really, RJ, as this season unfolded, they they were believing the undefeated season was there. I mean, All right. All right. Which would have been, even that wouldn't have likely have been a national title shot, but they would have made a BCS Bowl. So we can say that they've gone from, they win that game against TCU, they probably are playing, or they're almost certainly playing in a BCS Bowl, versus now probably playing not even on New Year's Day. Right. All right. So I can agree, and one of your pet theories, and it's so important in college late in the year, is let's call it the dream crusher theory. I kind of like that. Is when a team's dream is crushed, the next game is their worst game. Yeah, you just gave me a flashback to home. I got to throw in here when you said Dream Crusher. We used to have a poker dealer that dealt at the underground, and that was his nickname, the Dream Crusher, because he, <laughs> when he flipped the river up, he was, the, he was the Dream That's Crusher. Funny. But Utah, the one thing that you know you can say they are going into Notre Dame, and this is an experience. So, but to come in here deflated. You Not might. only losing, but questioning their very abilities. I mean, it's like it's almost like uh, there's so many situations where you do something at a certain level, you get a chance at a significantly higher level, and when you underperform, you start to question, "Do I belong here?" If it's going up limits in poker, if you take, you know, someone draws out on you in a flush at two five, you shrug and move on. They do it at five ten. You're thinking, or ten twenty. You're thinking, wait a minute, did they know something? Were they playing some angle I don't even get? And Utah is like, you know, we're not in the league of TCU, and and that has to be a lot of not only the dreams being crushed, but a lot of self questioning. Definitely, and to flip it to the Notre Dame, when we last saw Notre Dame, now they had last week off, so you had two weeks to prepare. Now with Notre Dame, you, you're undefeated this year. I think it's three or four uh, wins going either for or against them. So you got a good feel for them. Now one of my pet theories is bet against Notre Dame, especially at home. Sometimes games are easy, and betting against Notre Dame at home is one of those situations. They're 16 36 and 2 ATS at home. This team's less than 33% at home and 
it's like who would ever so who would play them? There's a premium on them at home, no matter who the coach is. But I tend to agree with you. This is a rare spot. I'm thinking it's 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 either fade or pass. I'm thinking it's pass because I can't think of a worse spot for Utah. There is, there, there definitely isn't a worse spot for Utah. But I'm going to look at this Notre Dame and I'll bring up two things. Two weeks to prepare. So Notre Dame is going to have some things. They're going to come out with work on some things that they weren't going well. The offense had played well all year for Notre Dame. Now you make a good point. They're off a bye. Utah is in a, a situationally a horrible. Forget the motivation from its schedule. Is This is the fourth time. Excuse me. The sixth time in 20 years. All right. So you were like 34. Five or so. So you you were in your mid thirties, and in that time, only six times have they played in the Eastern Time Zone. So, okay. Well, let's play a game. You, you played a game last week with uh, what I played. Listen, play, listen. Play, I'm, play, sorry, play, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The host is talking. All right. You're the guest. So you just. So let's get the point straight. Is six times in twenty years they've gone to the Eastern Time Zone. So, I mean, this is just a different experience. There's the internal clocks. It's a different experience. This is also the fourth time in six weeks that they've been on the road. So you've got a team off a of bye, and then you've got Utah playing on the east, which is rare, 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 and you've got them likely fatigued emotionally and physically. Well, you just hit the big, the big key, and this is where my play is coming in here, when you use the word fatigue, mentally and physically. And I've been a proponent in all sports that it takes more energy to play defense than it does to play offense because defense is all reaction. And that's where I'm going with this play. I'm going with the over in this game. Both teams are going to go up and down the field in this game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like the game over the total. We've got a total of 54 in this game. I'm projecting a 34-28 Game. I actually have Utah finding a way to win because this Notre Dame defense is bad, uh, but I think Utah's going to give up points this week as well. i got to be honest. I'm going to look to play on Utah at some point after this game because Vegas still has them ranked the 15th best team in the country, and they have a coach that has won 12 of 16 in November, ATS, 12 and 4. So I... Typically, if you say Utah against Notre Dame, I'm thinking I'm making one of my biggest bets of the year on Utah because the, the, the fade on Notre Dame, Utah having a premium coach and a premium program. I just think situationally this is a rare spot. But I do like that over there. I like the over. And the one thing that I was going to get out there because, you know, you got, oh, me last, oh, okay. yeah, you got me last week. Do we, with does, the do we have time for this? Yeah, we got time for it. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, you, you bust my stones of how old I am. Well, Marco had a birthday last weekend, so we're not going to say how old. But in the comments section, go ahead. I want to I hear everybody guess because you make me like I'm ancient. So I want to hear what, what the viewers think, you know. And you're not going to get brownie points I by, get, coming, in, by get, coming in low. Tell me what you think. And, uh, first we'll of all, they want brownie points. They want it from me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the, guy the that gets, I'm the guy that get the picks from. <laughs> yeah, they got to pay for that. <laughs> That's good though. In the not all right, so usually we say continue the conversation in the comment section. Here though, you got a special task. Guess Marco's age, and I'm gonna really be watching. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's it. So next up, we're gonna be talking. Uh, wow, interesting. Georgia at Auburn and all the issues around Cam Newton. Georgia at Auburn. And this game has changed just today, taping on Wednesday. Typically, we break it down like any other game from a betting perspective.
but a lot of rumors uh, swirling around about Cam Newton going to not play in this game. That's not for certain. Caesars, as of Wednesday, took the line down. Bodog took the line down. Other books have adjusted the line. So let's let this be a learning opportunity for us on how we look at a game in which there's a, a key player that's very uncertain. Now, sometimes we'll just take the game off the board. So if it's a handicapper, it doesn't matter, right, because you can't bet it. And once the, it's known is the player going to play or not, now you can then bet it at knowing that knowledge. But the sharper books, the books that are, have a little more gamble in them, they'll put a line up which is a, it's adjusted for the likelihood of the players. So let's talk a specific situation. And we're going to make it extreme just so it's easy to understand. Let's say a player is worth 10 points. No player probably is worth 10 points. Cam Newton is worth about 7 points. Talking to guys in town today, they say this line would move about 7 points on Cam Newton not playing. I'm not sure there's many players, if any, in the country worth more. But let's just say it's 10. And let's just say that the line would be 10, minus 10, if the player played. All right? So if the player didn't play, the line would be? Would be 3 if he's worth 7. Uh, but let's, let, just for our, now that's the Cam Newton, yeah, agreed. Yeah. With, with this example, would be we're pick. making a pick because right. we're saying it's 10, just to keep it round numbers. Okay. All right, so pick without them, 10 with them. Well, let's say that you assess the odds are 50% he's going to play. Well, what would you make the line? They're going to make it five or six. They're going to make it five. And that's exactly how you as a handicapper should look at it, is you don't know if he's going to play. You're taking a risk by betting it. But let's say for the sake of argument, there's a 90% chance he's going to play. But if they've got the line at seven, because they're saying, oh, he might not play, all of a sudden you've got a ton of value laying the seven because there's only that 10% chance he's not going to play, and that's worth one point. Now, this line opened up about eight and a half, nine. I actually saw nine and a half in some spots, but I think it was hit even before the Newton thing. Right now, the books, the sharper books, and this is Wednesday again, that have the lineup have it at seven. So if you're assuming Cam Newton is worth seven points, and they're saying the line's moving, let's say, two points on these rumors. They're saying the odds of him playing are about 70 or 75%, and thus 75% of seven is two, two and a half points, so they're moving the line down. So really, my question to you is, does that seem right? Does that seem, because this is not even about the handicap at this point. This is about Cam Newton. Does that sound right? It sounds right in what they're doing. Um, you said that the sharp books have gone to seven. There are a few books offline that still, offshore I should say, uh, that still are putting up an eight or eight and a half. I would say, me personally, if you can get that number, I would grab the dog because worst case scenario, that's going to be the, the peak of the number, eight and a half. So if you grab uh, Georgia at eight and a half and anything happens the rest of the week that's going to change, and Cam Newton doesn't play, you're going to be able to come back and make a great middle because the line's going to plummet. Plummet, yeah. yeah. So I would, and to me, that's a pure arbitrage. If you're saying uh, the definition in business of an arbitrage is you have 
the same asset, in this case, Georgia is the asset, priced differently in two different spots. So really, any time that you hear people trying to middle a game, that's an arbitrage. They got one guy at minus six, one guy at, uh, or, or plus six, one guy at minus three and a half. Boom, boom, boom. They're playing the same asset, going both ways on it. Here, if, if, but the question is, do you typically, do you typically try to arbitrage your middle a game between eight and a half and seven? Because if not, then we're assuming seven is priced properly, taking into account the likelihood of, of Cam Newton playing or not playing. So in theory, if he is clearly going to play, the line's going to go back up to eight and a half. If he isn't going to play, it's going to, like you said, it's going to go down, uh, well, it'd be like one and a half or two if that seven-point adjustment is correct. But do you, if I told you right now, forget Cam Newton, you could play a college game, and college points are worth less, mm-hmm. so I'm less inclined to arbitrage in college because the, game, the spread isn't as tight. If I tell you that you can lay on a college game seven and take back eight and a half, are you pounding that? I, you know, I would take it because seven. So it, seven and eight and a half, you're, 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 you, you try to middle that or are it's that. A key, it's a key number, yes. So you do? I will. Okay. So to me, I, I'm, you know, I think that's probably about a break-even arb. Uh, if you're laying 110 each way, maybe the slightest little edge on it. So maybe you're right. But I think the better advice here might be if you like – if if you like Auburn, you know maybe wait. Mm-hmm. But if but most certainly if you like um, uh, Georgia, I just had a mental yeah. block. Take the eight and a half if you can get it because you're right. That's the ceiling right, right. now. It's not going to nine and a half. Right, most likely. So so that would be my advice. Right, you're, you're creating yourself the potential for a major middle for ten cents on the dollar. Plus, even if you don't get the middle and it goes back to eight and a half, you like it at eight and a half anyway. Right. So in a way, that's a free roll. You have a chance at an arb and a chance uh, to actually just have a decent side. Right. If you like Auburn, I don't think that point and a half is worth right. it. Now I will say this much: none of us can say for sure if he's going to play or not play. But you know, we talked before we went on air. Really, unless the NCAA, uh, NCAA comes in and says he's suspended, I can't believe Auburn sits him because they they have nothing to They're lose. They're committed. They're definitely pocketed. They're undefeated on the season. If it comes back and he is suspended, they're going to go back and forfeit the games he played in this so year. Anyway, it's nothing to lose, right? So you know, I think he plays, which makes me think the fact that. That Caesars here in town's taking the line down. That there's some truth to the rumors. That there's some real uncertainty of him playing. If not, why is Bookmaker at seven? Bookmaker's right. as sharp as they get. But if you go back to the beginning of the season, the first game of the season when we had, uh, I think it was LSU and North Carolina. North Carolina actually did not have the suspensions, but there was speculation about them because they were still investigating it. They didn't take a chance. They sat all those players. Because of the potential. Because it, the- it wasn't tainted yet. The season right. wasn't tainted. So why tain it? It's tainted for Auburn already. Right. That's a good point. All right. So real quick, let's assume he plays. Let's talk handicapping. Vegas has Auburn number six, slightly overrated, uh, based upon being two in the BCS or whatever. Georgia is very underrated. They've got Georgia number 21. AP only has 39 teams listed. Georgia's not even in there. 
So AP saying Georgia is not even in the top 40, and Vegas says number 21. So that makes me, if I can get the eight and a half with the chance of Newton not playing, I really like it. Yeah, you know, it goes back to like we said in the pit video earlier. Because Georgia had losses early in the season, they fell completely off the radar. This team's playing good ball right now. And here's the other thing, that the, the key to the handicap in this game. It doesn't matter if Cam Newton plays or doesn't play. He doesn't play defense. This defense it matters. You're saying well, there's but, other I mean, factors. Well, but I'm saying he doesn't play defense, and his defense sucks, okay? There's no way to sugarcoat it. They give up points to everybody, and Georgia can move the ball. That's why any points here with Georgia is, you know, you're live, even with backdoor capabilities. All right, scheduling. Both teams played last week, but they were both favored by over 40 points against very weak opponents. So it's almost like a quasi-buy. They were prepping for this game. It was a scrimmage. Give us your projection. Um, I have Auburn winning, and I'm making this pick based on Newton playing because I think he plays. I have them winning 41-37, but I'm, I'm advising to grab the points. Take Georgia plus the points. You wouldn't play a plus seven right now, would you? No, I wait on this and see what's going to happen. But if you can get the eight and a half, grab it now if anybody has it. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, boy, Marco must really like this game because I can't imagine he picked it. So stay tuned. Clemson at Florida State. He's got to have some good stuff. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Clemson at Florida State, ABC game for about three states. But Marco, <laughs> you love it, so we're, we're going to review it. It's all about making money, guys. That's what we're here to do, and I think there's value in this game. There's a question mark this week, you know, second video in a row about a quarterback, but this one's because of injury. Quarterback ponder for Florida State. Looks like he's not going to play on Saturday. I actually like this game, and I like the backup, and I got some nice numbers on the backup quarterback for Florida State. All right, so let's, let's not beat around the bush. Give us your projection. We'll do it a little differently here. Give us your projection first and tell us why. I like Florida State in this game, 27-13. to 13. Clemson is a team, the last couple weeks their offense has struggled, and really this team has not been the same since three weeks ago. They had a major revenge game three weeks ago against Georgia Tech, and it was a game I liked Clemson in, and the situation in that game was they were playing not only with revenge, but it was double revenge, a fluke last year. They played both regular season and the ACC championship game against Georgia Tech, lost both games. They got the revenge in big fashion, and they've been flat ever since. Uh, I like Florida State coming off a bad game last week. I look for them to bounce back. And even with Ponder, there's been talk, you know, he hasn't played consistently this year. The backup, here's the numbers on him. 65% completions during his career at Florida State. 85 of 129 for over 1,000 yards. That's in the last two seasons. He gets, I think he gets his chance Saturday. He may never give up the starting job. All right, so this seems to fit a lot of your pet theories. One is the motivational side of things, which you do as well as anyone, I think. And that's more art than science. It's not check the box. Because, mm -hmm. for example, Florida State has lost two straight games that they were favored in. In check the box type handicapping, you might say, oh, their dream's been crushed. 
you know, they, they're having a bad season. They Maybe they're going to give up. I don't think so because you've got a new coaching staff, mm-hmm. and they've got a longer-term vision. It wasn't about this year. It's about building a new culture there. And to me, that means even if you lose a few games, the team's not going to give up. So on that, I think you've got that motivation there. Um, I also, and then I'll let you continue, I, I like the way that it's a quarterback that the, we're probably gaining some value because of the perception that the starter is likely out. But you're saying as you dig a little deeper, that might not be a negative, which means we're getting value. Absolutely. And you talked about Florida State with the two losses. Even with those two losses, RJ, Florida State is still in first place in their division of the ACC. So they can still attain a goal this year. That's, a, that's even a deeper point is you've got the culture of the, the program with their bigger mission and they've got their yearly mission still in their sights. That's a great point. Now, the home team in this series, and that's Florida State, has covered 11 of 12 ATS. So for whatever reason, these schools, the, and again, this is ATS, so even when Florida State was dominant, they would have been laying you know, 24, home team overperformed, which goes with your Florida State pick. What else you got? Well, we've got a revenge factor for Florida State, too. They got drilled last year, which goes to your home team ATS, because Clemson took it to them last year, 40-24, to 24, and I just I like Florida State. I think, I think they got the better athletes. They've got more offensive weapons, and Clemson's just been struggling offensively. Last week was just a terrible game for them offensively. Last point, we talk about the Vegas rankings. These are the odds makers ranking the teams. They got Florida State 23rd, Vegas. AP has them 35th. So you're getting about 12 spots of value on Florida State. I love it. Right, anything else? Nope, Florida right, State. By we got two a little touchdowns. extra time here, and looking ahead, uh, we got three good NFL games. I'm not sure we'll have any extra time. So we had a bet last week. Now I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I don't remember were the Cowboys getting eight or thirty-eight? Because, because, <laughs> at thirty-eight they they cover barely, and at eight they don't. Can you refresh my memory? I can refresh your memory. You, you know, have you ever heard the saying, every blind squirrel finds an acorn? <laughs> Remember my cowboy room? Oh, yeah. I got surround sound now. Yeah, really? Okay. Come on, baby. Well, you know, go, go head to head, guys. Okay, you know, I am giving you $500. You seem flustered. No, they, these should look familiar to you because I have five more of them yet. Well, the fact, still, you, never, the fact still, you never pick up a check, <laughs> I bet these might be the same five. Yeah. Dustin, how much time do we have? Because, you know, <laughs> Mr. R.J. Bell. I, I'll Go ahead, you. tell this story. Okay. We're, say yeah. it. We're you know, it was a this, this will give some insight into me. It's yeah, true. it definitely will give some insight into R.J. Bell. Friday night, we're at the Venetian, and we're playing cards. I'm on a limited time schedule Friday night because I do a radio show, and so I had to leave at a certain time. Now, we get... play different limits. Marco's a little bit lower, so we got to eat together. To re- really, when we're playing, he just across the room, he's looking over, trying to see what's going on. Do they even let you in the section that I play? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel uncomfortable walking no, up there? No, I don't feel, Go I ahead, don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he loves to make a great story. But Mr. R.J. Bell, you're, you're CEO of Free Game, okay? I've seen this guy, you know, bluff off. Two three hundred dollars in a you know a pot with in turnover you know three four offsuit you know just to <laughs> you know antagonize the table which he does very well. But we went to the we went and picked up our dinner at uh, uh, where was it Grand Lux? Doesn't Great, matter. Yeah, well, it's a good restaurant. 
But we're sitting in you the want food me to tell court. The story? No, we're sitting in it because you won't tell it, right? We're sitting in there, and I wanted to buy him a soda when we picked up the food, but he didn't want bottled soda for whatever reason. I like mine cold. I like it from okay. the fountain cold. All right, so I have my bottle, and he's sitting around. He walks for ten minutes through the food court at every establishment to see what they charge for their soda. Okay, and he's he comes back bitching at the prices of them. Well, here's the thing. Is I went and it was three seventy five for a diet soda, and I'm like, well, do you get refills? Because I like to drink probably two, and they said, well, yes. I'm like, geez, still three seventy five. You can buy two two liters for that. So I end up going down and walk and check all the prices. The lowest price is two ninety five. So I'm like, hey, seventy five cents. I walk up and I said, is there refills? They said no. So now it's like, wait, I'd have to buy it twice. It'd be six. So I had to double back to the place that I was actually at the counter and say, can I have a diet soda? I said it kind of under my breath a little bit. Um, And then he asked me why I started eating without him. Well, we all know why. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section. And next up, we're moving to the NFL. Three big games. Vikings at Chicago. This is my best bet of the week. But, Marco, you've been a real critic of Brett Favre. Which, where's your opinion at after his second biggest yardage day in his entire career last week? Well, you know, I actually said it last week on a podcast and a radio show. i got to give Favre credit. Um, you know, I've bashed him all year. What he's done the last two I heard weeks, he's upset about that. Well, you know. He's been emailing. <laughs> he's even emailing. That's okay. He'll get over just as long as he doesn't send me any text. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. But uh, Favre... It did. In fact, he saved the season last week with that, you know, heroic uh, comeback. And really, at three and five, they're still alive because this division is bad. I mean, Chicago's doing it with smoke and mirrors, the games that they're winning. And Green Bay, you know, they're winning. I know they won big last week, and you were happy about that uh, against the Cowboys. But that was against the Cowboys. You know, this team still has some problems that I don't think they're going to run away and hide with the division because of the injuries that Green Bay has. So, To me, this is a value play. Is You're right. Psychologically, Minnesota still, their the dreams haven't been crushed, to use our new terminology. If anything, there's a sense of momentum. And the Moss thing, after winning the game without him, it's a good riddance probably for most. Mm -hmm. So I think the momentum's there. And quite simply, this team's underrated. Vegas ranks them the 11th best team in football. ESPN has them the 22nd best team. They're the most underrated team in Vegas' eyes in the NFL. And when you have a team that motivationally is, is focused... And underrated, to me that's a play. The reason it's my best bet is I'm not a big fan of the Bears. So I think they're slightly overrated. And that just comes to be value. So my question to you, what do you think about the Bears? Well, the Bears, and this is one of the points that you know, I lean with you. I agree with the, you know, the Minnesota side in this game. Chicago has trouble with teams that can run the ball well. Minnesota owns one of the top three running backs in the league, if not the best running back in the league, in Adrian Peterson. Who's, who's, so Johnson, Peterson, who's three? Well, you know, I threw it out there. He's probably one or two, okay? Oh, <laughs> so, you know, point taken. He's one of the best, sir. I tell you, he looks like a video game. 
the way he runs. I mean, he's pretty odd. I, he might be the best running, best pure. Like, if you said, show me a play and impress me, I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone more impressive. I agree with you 100%. I just still go back to last year. I wonder what happened to him in those last four games no, last no. year. No, no, there's certainly issues, but, but, yeah. But I'm sorry, go ahead. But for here, they're going to be able to run the ball on Chicago. If, if they run the ball first and Favre plays smart, that's going to create openings with the passing game. He's getting more in sync with these receivers. I mean, the throw that won the game last week, that was on both ends. A perfect throw, perfect catch, in between defender. It, it was just, you know, they're getting it right now. And this is the game they need. And if they go to four and six, I wouldn't want to step in front of this team because they've been in every ball game they've played this year. Four and six. If they win this game, or they'll start, they'd be four and five. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. Four and five. But their two biggest losses were to the Jets and the Patriots. All right, so let me make a point there. They had games on the road against the Jets, against the Pats, and against the Packers, mm-hmm. New England and Green Bay, and New York. They outgamed all three on the road. Right. So the, I do have a pause, and I'll tell you, and it's about home road, but finish your point. The point being that, you know, when you mentioned the Jet and the Pats game, those were nine and point nine and ten point margins, but there were scores late in the game that took it. They had a chance, they had the ball and had a chance to drive in both. And of those that's games. where value value at the first level comes from wins and losses that are deceiving, and then the way they're deceiving oftentimes is turnovers, and that's the thing we were preaching about the Giants is they looked bad in some games when it was all about turnovers, and now a lot of people think they're the best team in the NFC. And it's also with yardage and, 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 you know, fourth down type plays that either happen or don't happen at the goal line can swing games. And if a team, if it falls either pro or con a couple times in their first six games, there's usually a real misimpression of how good a team is. And I think Minnesota's underrated. Minnesota's underrated. And I'll point out people like to look at last year's scores, and people are going to say, and a lot of people believe that Minnesota was a better, last year's edition obviously yeah, yeah. was a better, and they lost in Chicago last year. Which is my concern, but go ahead. But I'm going to point out why I'm going to dispel that. The one thing we've said about Favre, and was the big thing about going to Minnesota, is he's going to play indoors. Because remember how bad he played in that cold game, the playoff game against the Giants mm-hmm. last year at Green Bay? He's not going to have those cold-weather games. Last year's game at Chicago was in the end of December when it's, it's frigid cold in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's catching them in the middle of November, his trip to Chicago this year. So weather's not going to be as big of a factor as it That's was last point. year. I didn't have that one. That's a good one. I still <laughs> am concerned. The last time Minnesota won a road game was Week 8 in 2009. So, I mean, quite frankly... That this is a team that in that dome they play quite well. Mm-hmm. Now they did outgain three really good teams, so I think that that, that that is preventing me from making this. Let's say you know a game of the month type play or a game of the year type play, but I, I, it is a cause of concern. Is that the in, in in this series the home team has covered four straight by an average of fifteen points, so. That's the one thing that causes me pause, but I think there's enough value here that, that I'm uh, projecting Minnesota and I'm making it my best bet. Yeah. I will tell you this much, because I've been involved in some of the Chicago Bear games this year, and I've been watching a lot of them, and it's not fun because the Bears are not a good ball club. They're 5-3, and three, but I can honestly tell you 
they could very easily be three and five in the games they've played. They've been the opposite of Minnesota with the turnovers. We got two minutes. Before we went on air, you were explaining to our producer, Dustin, about how to know when a cookie's done. And I think that, I really think that that's something that you're clearly an expert at handicapping and cookies. Could, could you explain to me how, real quick how you tell if a cookie's done? Why? <laughs> Dustin was talking about his wife making cookies, and she has a habit of burning the cookies. And I said, Dustin, that's a common mistake people make because, <laughs> oh, oh, son, you, one day you'll understand this. Go you ahead. Know, they, you, they, pull, they look in there, and the cookie's not, doesn't look done. But it is done. You bring it out. It says, you know, seven minutes. You bring it out at seven. While it sits on the, ba- the baking sheet, it finishes its cooking, and it gets to where it's supposed to be. Now, what happens if there's a guy there, let's say his name's Marco, and he eats the cookies right after they come out? Well, they're, they're too hot right there. You have to wait a little bit, and then you get a big glass of ice-cold milk, and then you're set. Now, do you, when you wait, do you wait over the cookie sheet, like waiting, or do you go sit and give it 10 minutes? I'll generally give it 10 minutes, but if I'm really, really anxious for the cookie, I'll, you know, I'll get a, like, a little piece of paper and fan it to help it along the way. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be talking, oh, Sunday Night Football, Pats at Steelers. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Patriots at Steelers, Sunday Night Football. I'm taking the projection here, and I'm going to tell you, Marco, the key I bet you don't even have it written down. Key to this game, we got two, three, four defenses with great coaches on both sides of the ball, which means that we're going to see a lot of scoring because the three, four is quirky, and it's like the it's not as quirky as it used to be. But the, if you're every day in practice playing against it, you're going to understand the nuances better. And with Brady and with the Steelers' offense. I think you're going to see a lot of scoring here. So before you dig into some of your key points, does that resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. And the key to Pittsburgh, you're not going to run on Pittsburgh. That's, that's a fact. You've got to throw to be able to beat the Steelers. First team in NFL history. This is back in your childhood with Red Grange and, and Jim Thorpe and, and all of those guys. The first Don't team. be helping people on the Guess the Marco Age uh, contest. <laughs> the first team to hold, actually they were the first team to hold their first seven opponents to under 75 yards rushing, and then they've now made it eight with Cincinnati. In the history of the NFL, back at a time, I mean, that, that blows my mind. And, uh, and, and you're right, you can't run on the Steelers. Though really with the Pats, they throw, their short passing game is almost their running game. Right. And I'm going to point out, a couple of weeks ago when we did the Steelers and uh, the Saints, I pointed out at that point in time, the Steelers had been pretty fortunate in the quarterbacks that they faced this year. They really hadn't faced any top-notch quarterbacks until they faced Drew Brees, and they ended up losing that game. This is definitely Tom Brady, you know, top, you know, best quarterback. That so a lot of stats it. are making the rounds that since Moss left, his completion percentage went from 70% to 60%. His per yard has gone down like two and a half yards. I, I don't want to quote, but like seven and change to like five, you know, like five. Um, 
you know, I so maybe that's the question. Did the Browns game expose the Pats, or was it some type of aberration? Well, definitely it was an absolute flat spot for New England. If you looked in... Against Mangini? Again, that's the only thing. When we did the Friday show, the mega podcast, and I got to tell, and just this is a quick shout out to this show. If you're not, if there's a podcast on the internet, this is one you got to listen to. Four different guys talking, nothing but handicapping. The most of the NFL card. So you're breaking down the entire NFL card. You, Dan Beebe, Mike Cook. And Gil Alexander. Gil Alexander. And then they're doing a college extravaganza with Zach Lawson, Dan Beebe, Mike Cook. Correct. And you can get all of those podcasts at pregamepodcasts.com, plural, pregamepodcasts.com. And it's free, and it's a, and they had a record-breaking week with listens, and, and I think it's based on the quality. It, it, it's a good show, but we talked about that New England Green or Cleveland game last week. Absolute horrible spot. The only thing that kept us from taking the rubber bands off, so to speak, with Cleveland was the Mangini factor because, you know, there is the bad blood with Belichick and Mangini. But if you look at the schedule New England has played, they had that double, they had a big playoff revenge game against Baltimore. Then they had to travel to San Diego. Then they came home and played um, Minnesota, you know, the Brett Favre saga, Randy Moss coming back. They've had so many big games in a row. And then go to Cleveland, and then have Pittsburgh on deck and Indianapolis after that. How can you not look past a Cleveland team? So you're saying that you still, where do you put New England in the league right now? I've always said from day one that I thought that New England was overrated. Uh, Their defense has holes in it. Uh, Now we're starting to see some chinks in the offensive, like you said, with the stats that you're pointing out with Moss. But this defense was hidden because of turnovers the last few weeks against San Diego, against Minnesota. They covered up their, you know, their bad performances. All right, so a couple of things goes against this over. Six out of seven between these teams. So they've, they've played about seven games with the 3-4, even though Tomlin hasn't been there for all of them. The defensive side hasn't changed under Tomlin. And, and Belichick's been there for all seven of the games, if I'm not mistaken. So you're looking at a situation where we have a pretty applicable stat, six out of seven over, and I think the 3-4 explains it. A couple things make me not like it as much. One is obvious, Pat's their kicker's out, and he's on IR, so he's out for the year. And a new kid, you know, at best, this guy's the 31st best kicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if the guy they signed was better, there's other teams that would have signed him, most likely. I mean, Belichick is smart, but, you know, other teams have picked, their, or, or I guess it'd be 33rd, but other teams have picked their, their 32 best kickers. All right, so you got a bad kicker, I think, for New England. Number two, and, and, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, we just found out this morning for sure left tackle Starks is out for the season right. for the Steelers. Now, from what the insiders say, and I'm not able to break down line play, but he was the most consistent lineman, big left tackle. Now, you know, there's talk, are they going to move Flozo Adams to left tackle? Are they going to put back up Scott in, Jonathan Scott, I think is his name. Either way, it's going to be a drop-off. And we all know they made a, wrote a book blindside about the quality of the left tackle. Now, that's going to hurt. But unless I'm mistaken, Starks was out the entire year the Steelers won the Super Bowl. You know, this is a team that, that from what I'm hearing, their center Pouncey is the real glue, and he's fine for this week. So I think it's going to be a, a downturn without their left tackle, which hurts the over. 
but I don't think it's going to be as, you know, let's be honest, Starks is better than Scott, but he's not a top 15. He's probably the 22nd or 25th best tackle. So if you go from that to the backup, it might not be as much of a drop-off as if it was a stud at left tackle. So specifically, what's your take on that? Because left tackle is something that most handicappers, the squares aren't looking at, but we all know that, that those are the injuries that, that where you can really find value because people don't account for them. Uh, there's no question. I've used the saying a hundred times in podcasts and on our videos, a bad offensive line is like trying to drive a car with a flat tire. You just you, you don't it doesn't work well. All right, so offensive line is important. How much is the Starks injury going to affect things? The fact, and you said it, they've had the injuries before that guys have been out and they've been able to patchwork this offensive line. That is one thing, and it goes again to coaching with the Steelers. They've been able to be solid on the offensive line for several years, and it's because they're a run-oriented team. And you need a great offensive line to be able to run the ball. Except in the 2008 when they won the Super Bowl, they certainly didn't have a great offensive line. They didn't, but they also, that is a year that they did rely a little more on uh, Big Ben for sure. So do you, does this incline you to think there's more passing? I would think that in this game, just because of the, the matchup period, the New England secondary is bad. I'm like salivating wanting to see some of the plays that Wallace can make against the secondary. All right. Okay, so my projection is going to be, I think the line's about right. You know, with, with Starks in, I would have laid the four or so. Is that what we're seeing now? Or is it's, up to it's, five? Up, it's up to five. Yeah, it's hard to think there's any value on Pittsburgh at five. I like the over. I'm projecting Pittsburgh 27-24. Um, the only thing we didn't mention in this game I, that we should say, this is a bad scheduling spot for the Steelers. They are, they're coming off of three road games and playing off a short week against a division rival. They played on Monday night. Yeah. I, I, you know, if anything, I mean, I guess that's an interesting question. When you play three in the, uh, on the road, isn't it a good spot you're finally home? It is, but how much did it take out of you, the fatigue factor of the three road games, and then have it finish up on a Monday night against a division yeah, rival? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, though the road game was only a couple hours it's still away, Cincinnati to Pittsburgh, you still have the hotels and all that. Yeah, I, I see your point. Yeah, I, if I had to play it, I'd play New England plus the five. I think there's even more value on the over here. I'll be working it. I'll, I'll come up with something by Sunday night. That's what I'm figuring. All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're talking Monday Night Football. Eagles at Redskins, Monday Night Football. McNabb against his old team. Marco, what should batters be looking at? Well, you hit it right on the head right out of the start. McNabb, how is he going to react this week? Coming off the bye and all of the things that went on in the last two weeks with him and Mike Shanahan, I think it's really going to be a detriment this week. And they're going to have a hard time, but I'm not actually going to play the game. I'm coming with a total in this one. Okay, so you're saying you expect a underperformance by McNabb. What are you looking at? On the Philly side. Well, Philadelphia, we've got two things here. Philadelphia, Michael Vick returned last week. They got a big win uh, against Indianapolis, a game that, if you look at the final score, looks closer than it was. Philadelphia pretty much had control of that game the whole way, and it got close, as Peyton Manning always does, at the end. 
Uh, coming off of the injury, generally I feel the quarterback off the injury is better the second week because he got a little bit of the rust off. So you could expect more from Michael Vick this week. But public perception, we always talk about, the first game was an under, 17-12. to 12. But everybody looked at that first game, and the takeaway was Michael Vick got When hurt. you say first game, not first game back with Vick, first game with Washington. First Philly. game against uh, Philly, Washington. The final score was 17-12, won by Washington and McNabb. But Michael Vick got hurt at the end of the first quarter. And a lot of people said, you know, he doesn't get hurt. It's a totally different ball game. So your thinking would be if it's a totally different ball game, this week it's going to be a high-scoring game. And given what Washington's done in recent games, they've been in some high-scoring games, that would also tend to be over. Getting a little dizzy. We ain't going there. Because you know, Marco, if everything's pointing one way, we're looking the other way. And I believe the value is in the under here. Two weeks to prepare. Washington's going to shore up some of those defensive problems. They're going to be better prepared for Vic the second second meeting. Now that he's going to be in there, try to contain keep what we used to say like a spy on Vic. You've got to keep a guy on him so that he doesn't get those big runs like he did last week against Indianapolis. And with McNabb, I just don't think he's going to have a good game. I think this is really eating at him. You know, he said all the right things when it first happened, but now we're two weeks later and he's still talking about it, and that's a problem. This may be a bigger problem than Brad Childress in Favre. So it seems like you're giving us two types of analysis here. One is fundamental, Mm -hmm. which is what I'm hearing is McNabb's going to be distracted. That means underperformance. And Vic is a little overrated. You know, whatever the scenarios are, all that nuance, he's a little overrated. You add up the two, you like the under. That I can connect with. Now you seem to be also adding in some public perception, trappy kind of conversations. I didn't really get what you were trying to say, so let's, let's try to quickly break it down. The, the total is 42 and a half. Mm-hmm. That comes off a little low to me. Uh, not, just even not even looking at the game and breaking it all down is I'm think, 44 I know is a key number. Mm-hmm. 37 and 44 are the key totals in football. The fact it's under the 44 with Vic against McNabb makes me think the average person is going to look towards the under. Oh, excuse me, look towards the over. Is that, are you saying basically that you think this number's too low and it feels like it's too easy to bet the over? Absolutely. I mean, look at last week's score. Philadelphia was in a high-scoring game against Indianapolis. Washington, as I said before, the break had a couple high-scoring games as well. So people are going to look at it that this is going to be a high-scoring game. It's Monday night football. People love to bet. There's more people betting. And we know for a fact that if you put 100 people in a room, Blindly, more people are going to bet the over than the under because their mentality is they're never out of but the But that's ball applicable game. to every game. And really, when you add it all up, it's only 50.5 to 49.5 typically. Is there's like that one percentage point difference between overs and unders. And it's really only the same with dogs and favorites. As much as people say you should be a dog player. And again, that one percent is a key percent. It's not insignificant. But in this case, the whole McNabb and Vic thing makes the, the public even more inclined towards the over. And when you have a line that makes you think that the books want over action, that's what you like to fade. 
Absolutely. And I'm going to take the under in this game. What's your official projection? I have it as a three-point game. Philadelphia win in 20-17. to 17. Let me throw a few facts out there. We had a big point about McNabb returning to Philly and how those quarterbacks have done really well. And the rationale there is they understand, you know, the road team usually has trouble because they don't know the stadium as well. But you have this quarterback that knows everything about the stadium because he's been there more than six years. And that was what the stat was. And it was a, it was a potent stat and it actually worked out in this case. Here, not so much. The emotional intensity is going to be gone. Uh, or, or at least diminished, you would think. It's not the first meeting. He's already gotten his revenge. And number two, it's not in Philadelphia. It's in Washington. And McNabb's only played a few games there other than when he was with Philly. So, so I kind of – people may remember us talking about the whole McNabb revenge factor. I don't think it applies near as much this week. Well, throw one other thing in there, and this is really getting kind of theory-based, but I don't want to pretend that I'm a psychiatrist, but think for a second. McNabb got thrown out of Philly. They said, we don't need you anymore. Your skills are diminishing. We don't want you. We're going, you know. I understand. Now, the week that all of this turmoil happens when he doesn't finish the game at Detroit, and now you come out of the break, and who do you play but the team that said, we don't want you anymore, and your coach kind of sent you a statement in the last game you played that I didn't have confidence. If you're a McNabb fan, you think he's going to send a statement now. I'm not a big fan of his, so... I I think it's going to start to creep into his head, really. Shanahan is 6 of 7 ATS off buys. Now, this is an example we're not looking at the team stats. We're looking at the coach's stats, which when you have a dominant coach that really affects the team more than the average coach is the way to go, I think. And this has been a road series seven of eight times the road team is covered now. So a few last facts here. Okay, anything else? Nope. All right, we're doing a special new thing this week. In the comments section, predict the score of the game. Philadelphia this, Washington that. If you get the score exactly right, you get 100 pregame dollars to spend at pregame.com just like it's cash at pregame.com. All you do is post before the game starts in the comment section your prediction for the score. If you win, send an email to support at pregame.com, and you're going to have 100 bucks to spend any way you want. Okay, we're going to be back next week with all the biggest games broken down from a betting perspective.